You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 76. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should do. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it's great to be with you all today. Thank you so much for listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast. Today's episode is titled, The Three Questions You Must Ask Yourself. You're going to have to tune in for the whole show to get these three questions. Before we get to this topic, though, have a quick question for you, though. This is not one of the three. I do have a quick question. When you were younger in school, did you have something called SSR? We did, and I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm not sure if it was a city thing, a state thing, a national thing, or a world thing, but what that stood for was sustained silent reading. And I believe as kids, we had to do this every day or three times a week, something like that, which was sitting in our desk and reading, I think for 15 or 20 minutes, silence in the room, sustained silence silent reading. Did you have that? And if you did, were you quiet during the 20 minutes or were you goofing off with your friends or were you actually reading for those 20 minutes? I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't very good at sustained silent reading. In fact, we as kids, we called it not sustained silent reading, the SSR, but we called it sit down, shut up and read. But I wasn't good at sitting down, I wasn't good at shutting up, and I wasn't good at reading. I didn't take it serious at all. Now, I have three daughters. My middle daughter is in third grade. She's always posting stuff on the refrigerator, wanting us to sign up for stuff. And she did this a couple of weeks ago. She wanted us to sign up for a book club where we all sat around, read quietly for 20 minutes, And then we talked about what we just read. So when I see these things laying around the house, normally I sign up for whatever they have going on. And this was book club. So we did it this past Wednesday for 20 minutes. We sat on the couch and read. I'm going to tell you, I came a long way because I really enjoyed the 20 minutes of reading. Gracie did good, my third grader. My wife did great. We have my first grader, who I think is a lot like me growing up. She had a difficult time sitting down, shutting up, and reading. But the book 
which I wanted to get at, though. The book I was reading is called The Laws of Wealth, The Psychology to Investing Success by Dr. Daniel Crosby. This is about the last book my wife would ever pick up and read. But I'm not much of a fiction reader. I like nonfiction. And you all know me that I'm passionate about money and investing and what drives us to make the decisions that we do. So I'm big time into the psychology of money. And after we all read for 20 minutes, we had to talk about what we read about. Well, I didn't have any characters in my story because I wasn't reading anything fictional. But what I did learn, because I've learned for years now that we all have certain biases And I talk about them on periodic podcasts. But the bias that I learned about in this book is called action bias. What do I mean by by action bias? I mean that we always feel like we need to be doing something. When in actuality, sometimes doing nothing is the best thing that we can do. And the example in this, this money book wasn't about money at all but it was about soccer players. So you may have played soccer growing up or play soccer right now or have kids playing soccer. And once in a while, teams get penalty kicks where there's just one guy in the goalie and one kick to try and get it through. There was a study done on professional soccer players, what their tendencies were during these free kicks. When the ball was kicked and the goalie either went hard left or hard right after the ball. They dove hard left or hard right after the ball. 96% of the time. But where did the ball go? Well, what happened was 30% of the time the ball went left. 30% of the time the ball went right. Sometimes really far right, sometimes really far left, sometimes just a little left and a little right. And the conclusion that was drawn that was this. If the goalie would just stand his ground, he would have been able to block 60% of these free kicks because they were coming straight on, or just a little left or a little right, where the goalie would have time then to react. If he dove far left or far right, well, he totally committed himself to a 30% chance of blocking the kick. So why are these goalies going far left and far right? Why are they doing this? Action bias, my friends, action bias, because they want to show everyone that they're doing something and proving to themselves that they're working hard to stop this kick. They're doing something. If they just hold their ground, it doesn't feel like they're doing anything. When holding ground would be the best thing for them to do. I mean, how many times does your significant other want to just talk about what happened at work, want to just dump out information. They don't want you to solve their problems. They just want to dump on you. They want somebody to listen. But us, especially guys, well, we got to try and fix it. We got to do something. We got to try and solve this. So we think that we need to do something when in actuality, we really ought to do 
nothing. And my friends, that's the same that goes in the world of investing. What we ought to do is get into our risk profile and invest according to our risk tolerance, risk capacity, and goals. Find that allocation and hold and only change when our risk level changes. We get older, maybe we want to de-risk, etc. And then hold. But then what happens when the stock market starts falling apart? We feel like we need to do something. We feel like we need to sell some investments or get out of the stock market completely. Action. We need to take action. But that, my friends, is action bias when the very best thing we can do is hold and stay the course. I feel the more we know about our biases and our tendencies, the better investors we will become. Let's get to the topic of the day. Three questions you must ask yourself. What in the name are these three questions? Well, as much as I like to think that the only thing you do when it comes to listening to podcasts is listening to mine. I'm sure you listen to others. I'm sure you like others better than mine. You know what? That's all right. And the truth is, I like a lot of podcasts too. In fact, when I listen to podcasts, I think, oh man, these podcasts are way better than my podcast. But thanks to you guys, you keep listening, and I really, really appreciate that. But I love listening to podcasts. That's why I started one myself, because way back when podcasts weren't popular, I was traveling all over the United States, and I had so much time just to listen. So I would download and listen to podcasts and on a variety of different topics, and I still do that today. And I was listening to a podcast this past week, and a lot of them I do is, you know, things to be a better person, be a better financial planner, be a better business owner, all of that stuff. And I was listening to a podcast with George Kinder, and George Kinder is a financial advisor. I believe he may have sold his practice now, but he is a life planning coach. He teaches other advisors how to be better life planners. And he does this exercise as part of his his training. He does this exercise with with his clients that he used to have and and just teaching new people or advisors who want to dig and dive more into life planning. Because really, how can a good advisor direct you in making recommendations on what you should do with your money if they don't fully understand you. And part of the problem, though, sometimes is people don't fully understand themselves and what they want to accomplish in life. So George made up these three questions that I'm going to ask you today, and I want you to think about and ponder and consider as you start to figure out what your cornerstones are. What are the things that are most important to you so now you can spend the majority of your time building abundance within these cornerstones? So these questions, they start to get a little deeper and deeper as, they, as we move on from, from question one to question two to question three. So let's, let's get to the first question. What would you do if you won the lottery? 
Now, I'm not talking about winning 20 or 30 or $40 million. I'm saying you had all the money that you needed for the rest of your life to do the things that you think about right now. You've got all the money you need for the rest of your life for financial freedom. All of your bills are paid and you still have a discretionary income to do things. What would you do? How how would you live your life? Would you quit your job right now? Would you start traveling? Would you buy a new car or a new house? What are the what are the things that you would do? And normally George says these are the things that come up. Things like I'm going to travel, you know, to Hawaii or Tuscany. Um, you know, the fun things in life. Or I'm going to spend a little bit more time or a lot more time with family. I mean, we're all working towards financial freedom. What if you hit it today? What would you do? How would your life be different? That's question number one. Let's, let's get a little deeper, though. Let's get deeper than financial freedom. Let's get back. Let's get down to, to the real things in life. Because question number two is a life or death question. What would you do if you went to the doctor today? And you you suddenly realize that you only had five to 10 years left to live. That's it. That's all the time you have left. But you'll be perfectly healthy through the next five to 10 years. But after that, my friend, it's over. How would you think differently? How How would you change things, things that you're doing right now? What would you do? How how would you live? I mean, seriously, like start to think about that. Picture yourself going to the doctor and the doctor talking about some sort of illness you have that will keep you healthy. But in five years from today, you're going to die. You better believe your life is going to look a lot different. And this is a lot different of a question than saying you've hit financial freedom. And the the types of answers that people have sometimes are are similar to question number one. But something strange and wonderful can happen too. Sometimes the answers to number two are completely different now than the answers to number one. Why do you think that is? Why would your answers be different from question one than question two? And what are the different things? These are are the big things in life, my friends. And what George Kinder found was that the things that come up more strongly in question number two have to do with family and relationships and sort of like unfinished business. So it might be someone that you've lost touch with, maybe your sister or brother or mom or dad, and you want to make the relationship come back to life. Things that you didn't think were important relationships become so much more important. Family and relationships are overwhelmingly the things that pop up differently in question number two than they do in question number one. But let's take this one step deeper, too. 
And normally, George says, don't ever ask this question unless you have a very good relationship with who you're talking about. That trust is really built up. But you know what? I'm on a podcast. I don't know who's listening to this. Some of you have listened to me for a long time. You recognize my voice. You know that I want good for you. So I'm just going to go out and ask it anyway. And the first two questions prepare you for question number three. And question number three takes you right back to that doctor office. But the doctor doesn't tell you And by the way, you're feeling perfectly healthy walking into the doctor's office. The doctor doesn't say you're going to live for five years or 10 years. The doctor said, without you knowing it, there's an illness that you have that has come to term. And in fact, you only have one single day left to live. And the question, it isn't even... What would you do during that day? It's just to absorb the shock of that information, that knowledge that you have. You're only going to live one more day in reflecting on what you wish you would have done or on what you wish you would have become or the things that you missed out on, the thing that you you didn't get to be. What did you not get to do? And the exercise isn't for you to feel all this regret, but it's to know that you can now do something about it, that you can now go do the things that you think that you want to get accomplished in life because you just never know what's going to happen. I have a high school friend that experienced this very thing. So if you think that it, it can never happen to you, If you think that you're immortal and you're going to keep living, or at least until 80 or 90, so there's plenty of time to get the things you want to get done today, well, you may have have a whole nother outcome. My high school friend, awesome guy, married to his soulmate, three beautiful boys. And his wife, she started not feeling well. She went to the doctor, several tests were taken, and finally they revealed that she had a tumor the size of an orange in her brain. She spent some days in the hospital, basically was told her illness was terminal, might have have six months to live. She ultimately went back home after a few days, but only for the weekend. She woke up on on Monday morning with with an extraordinary headache. My friend got the kids off to school and took his wife back to the hospital. They gave her medicine for the pain and kind of knocked her out, if, I, if this is the way I remember the story. And a few days later, she died. That was it. So if you think the doctor, there's no way the doctor's ever going to tell you you only have one day to live, well, my buddy's wife was told she didn't have much time to live, and in fact, she only lived another week or so. What is extraordinary is usually five things come up when you ask that last question. 
the five common areas or the five pursuits that George Kinder talks about are these. Number one, family and relationship. It is overwhelmingly the strongest one. So something with the family. Wish I would have spent more time with the family. Wish I wouldn't have ruined this relationship. The second most common pursuit actually has to do with values. And most often it has to do with religious spirituality in some way. That's number two. Number three most common is creativity. And it could be entrepreneurial creativity. Like starting a business. Or it could be something more having to do with the arts. I wish I would have joined a jazz band or, or something. Those are the three most powerful. Family and relationships, spirituality, and creativity. The things that pop up in question number three. Number four is something us as financial planners think are going to be number one, and that, that's giving back to the community or giving, giving back to your church or giving back to your favorite cause or your school. And the last is has to do with a sense of place. It could be, I live in the city, I wish I had a place in the country, or vice versa, or doing something to the planet itself in the environment. Those are the five. Did any of those questions resonate with you i know they have for me when i listen to the podcast about george or the one that he was in it it really started some sparks some things with me when i talked to my to my high school friend who lost his soulmate like that really started making me think more about what am i doing with my life and how should i live differently because man my buddy can tell you that He, more than anyone, knows that life is precious and it can be gone of what we know of it on this earth in a split second. It can just be gone. So what about you? What if you won the lottery? What if if you hit financial freedom today? What are the things that you would accomplish? Or what if the doctor told you you only had five years left to live? Would that list look differently of the things you wanted to do and accomplish? And that third step, what if this was it? What if you had one more day? What what are the things that you wish you would have done that you didn't do? I am not trying to be morbid, my friends, but I do want us all to think that it is time to start thinking about the things that are most important to us and start building abundance in those cornerstones. Because we just never know. We just never know how much more time we have. So looking at every day a fresh new way that you are building abundance in the cornerstones that matter most to you. That is a life worth living. That, my friends, not all the money in the world can replace when you know you're faced with your last day. Let's not live with regrets. That's all the time I have. I love you guys. Have a great week. i see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.
The Best in Wealth podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance with compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.